This is the Bible teaching from the Apostolic Church, All Nations Centre in Kennington, London. Reaching the community in practical and caring ways. Here now is a timeless Word of God. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a great pleasure to be here with you all this Sunday morning. And before I start, I just want to pray and ask the Lord to touch our hearts, our minds, and make us receptive to hear his word today. And so, Father, we want to bless you and praise you and honor you for this day. We declare today, this is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. So open our hearts as our hearts may be receptive to you. Open our minds that our will and our emotion would respond to you. Father, I pray this and I ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. I want to this morning pick up on a story in the Bible from John's Gospel, chapter 11 and 1 to 5. And it's the story of Lazarus, Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, and the people from Bethany. Let me just read a few verses there. <clears throat> Now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, a village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her tears. So the sisters sent words to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is still ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness is not end in death, will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. What an interesting portion of scripture. A, a, a portion of scripture, a story that's full with love and affection, but also full of passion and full of a desire to, that to see something happen in terms of life. So there was love on the part of Jesus. It says that constantly, Jesus loved Mary. He loved Martha and he loved Nazareth, Lazarus. But there was a plea from the sisters. Come, our brother's ill. He's still ill. Come, Jesus. And it would appear that Jesus speaking to his disciples says, don't worry about this, guys. This is going to bring glory to me and to the kingdom. And this is going to be for the goodness of the kingdom. So let's just carry on with our business. We've been through two years of pain and anxiety and praying for people that we know who have been ill. And so here we, we, we see and all of us, all of us could identify or relate to something of this tension, this desire to see healing, to see wholeness and to see our loved ones recover. It's been an interesting just looking at this in depth and recognizing that 
you know, being in the place of Mary and Martha was not easy. We read the story with hindsight. We have seen the outcome already. But, you know, I want to remind us that if we've experienced the loss of a loved one or a significant change in our lives, we have likely felt some grief at some point. And I wanted to spend some time just addressing this because I really believe that what Jesus was saying to Martha and to Mary was this, I'm here, and it comes out later in the scripture, I am here, whatever you're going through, whatever you will go through, I will be here with you. Now, I want to pick up on the whole notion of grief and bereavement. Grief is defined as sorrow or distress that is caused by, by loss or affliction or a sharp sorrow or painful regret. So we could go through a period where we've lost our job and we could go through a period of grieving over the loss of our job. We could have lost you know, a, a loved one in terms of our relationship or they've traveled to study. We could go through a period of grief because we would miss that loved one. Maybe you've gone through a broken relationship. That will bring grief as well. Most definitely as we go through in terms of losing a loved one, someone dying, it means that we will go through definitely the experience of grief. Now, although everyone experiences grief from time to time, it is a very personal experience and typically no two person will experience the same grief, especially when it is grief surrounding death of the loved one. I want to help us today and just help us to unpack this thing about grief because Mary and Martha went to a place of agony calling Jesus to come. You remember what Mary says? If you were here, Lord, our brother would not have died. So it meant that she was anxious about Jesus present coming, but she was also hoping that he will come before he dies. It's interesting that the most, the two most influential stages of grief are denial and bargaining. And I'll come back to those later. But let's just go through this process because I believe that we need to understand there is a spiritual aspect in terms of our faith in Jesus and looking to Jesus for a miracle, for a breakthrough. But there's also an emotional aspect where we go through grief and disappointment. And I want to break that down to help us to understand that whether we are looking for Jesus to come and to intervene in that miraculous thing to happen, we still go through a period of disappointment, of grief, where it impacts us emotionally, psychologically. Some people say there are seven stages to grief. Some people say there are five. The fact is, that if we've experienced the loss of a loss, it, it will be evident in us. But there will be underlining feelings of shock or disbelief during this stage. So the first thing that we need to recognize that is this, that these signs and these outworkings and these experiences, we will go through them. So we will go through a feeling of shock and disbelief. When we hear that 
our loved ones, someone that we love, have passed and have gone, have died, left this world, there is a sense of shock and disbelief. During this stage, many people experience physical symptoms such as nausea or vomiting or difficulty in sleeping. People go through a period of losing their appetite or heart palpitation. Feeling emotionally dumb is also a, a common feeling. Now, I'm bringing these things to you to let you recognize that we go through these periods in our lives. It's part of it. And we, I bring these to us this today because I want us to recognize that when our brothers and sisters go through grief, that we need to pray for them, we need to cook and support them, but we need to understand what they're going through. We need to understand the emotional, the psychological process of what they go through. Some people may describe this stage as feeling as they were as if they were watching someone else's life move like a screen, like a movie screen before them, and they become detached to the reality of what's happening to them. We need to recognize that. It is not just singing some songs and praying, but people are going through some deep emotional um, stress and anxiety in terms of what's happening. I remember when I heard that my mother passed, I was, I was in college in East London, and it took me, well, I'm not quite sure, but the bus ride felt like eternity. I was on the top of the bus and the world was passing, but the only thing I was thinking about, it's not true. I've heard this news. It's not true. I hope it's not true. Jesus has an interest in terms of this conversation with his disciples. He says this, it's okay, it's not unto death. And I want to remind us, particularly if you've gone through a period of bereavement this year or last year or over the past two years, I want you to know that Jesus has your back. He has our back. He has our back. Martha was grieving. Martha was mourning. But then the second stage of this is the one of shock, which it, when it comes, it fades. The pain is there, but we may not fully notice because other things come into play. This is when we first start to hit us that we've lost a loved one. How could this happen? This is an incredibly difficult thing to happen. Even to the most spiritual, most mature Christian, this can be an emotional turbulence for us. You may even feel guilty about something that I should have done. Maybe I should have prayed. Maybe I should have gotten to the doctor. Maybe I should have did this. So not only are we grieved and shocked, but we could begin to blame ourselves, even if it's illogical. And then anger sets in. It is not uncommon for some people who are grieving to experience a feeling of anger or frustration. Some people may feel angry that the person who have gone has, you know, has caused this loss. Maybe he wasn't listening to me or she wasn't listening. Maybe they needed to pay more attention to the way they were living before. 
Others may blame and direct their anger. Well, if God is real, why didn't he save my mother? If God is real, why didn't he hear our prayers and heal? And this is all part of the process of what people go through. You can imagine, it was interesting, Mary and Martha, you know, one was busy in the kitchen and one was crying before Jesus. We find things to occupy us because of the pain and because of the process of what we're going through. Some people feel a, a point where they feel depressed, where they feel a sense of loneliness. During this stage of grieving, generally begins when people begin to reflect on their loss. How am I going to cope? Mary and Martha was going through that. One of the beautiful things in the story, when Jesus got to this place, the conversation, you know, Lord, if you were here, that's the stage where we get, if I've done that, if the Lord had healed, if the Lord had delivered. And then this conversation takes place with Jesus. Lord, I know when the resurrection come, he shall live again. But listen to Jesus' reply. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us that the God of our salvation is the God of the living, not the dead. He's the God of the living and not of the dead. We may lose our loved ones physically, but we haven't lost them eternity-wise. We will meet them again. I was reading um, this week in the Bible and something popped out at me which I hadn't seen before. When the, 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 the man who was, had lost his daughter and she was 12 years of age and he came to Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is dead. My daughter is sick. And Jesus was going to heal and someone came and said, she is dead. And when Jesus got there, everyone was there wailing and mourning. And then Jesus, she's asleep. And everybody began to laugh. You're crazy. She's dead. She's cold. She's been dead for hours. Jesus puts them out and he laid his hands on her. And something what the scripture says, and her spirit came back to her. And we need to hold that. Because when we leave this body, our spirit leaves us. Our spirit leaves us. And so there's another stage in our lives. And we need to give God the praise for that. You know, I was, when in the 80s, when I used to travel a lot, and I used to travel to Nigeria and to Ghana, I used to go to the airport, and it was the most difficult point of my journey. I would be away for a month at a time. And when I was at the airport, it was emotional turbulence. It was a, a form of breathing. My wife would have to hold it together. My children were there, and I knew that they were going to miss me. And I sat on the plane, often sat on the plane, and I'd be thinking, I'm going to be away for a month. When I got to my destination, I remember getting to Accra. And when I got to Accra, there was a crowd of people. Aquaba, Aquaba. They were there rejoicing that I had come. And I want to remind us that if we've lost a loved one on this side, we are grieving. But on the kingdom of God's side, they are saying, Jesus said, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the angels and the brethren who have gone before us are rejoicing that he has come and he has been rewarded to meet the king. So I want us to understand, we don't have to be painful. We don't have to um, 
you know, go in a spiral where we are totally messed up emotionally, psychologically. But at this point, I want to say this, that particularly as people from Africa and the Caribbean, I want to encourage us to seek counseling. I pray for many people. I console many people with the word of God. But I also say to them, you need to sit down with a trained counselor from the church. Someone is there and you need to unpack these emotional feelings that you're going through. I was speaking a few weeks ago at a funeral of a young man who's 42, died and left for um, five children. And there was obviously a lot of young men there and young women and young people. And I said to them in that um, funeral service, we need to seek counseling. It's important that you sit down and unpack because when you're going through trauma, when you're going through bereavement, when you're angry, when you're confused, you need to sit down with someone and talk it through. As I finished and we went out, many of the men and the young men came up and said, Pastor, I, am good. I need counseling. I need to unpack with someone. I need to spend time to go deep down and bring out some of those feelings that I've got, the fears, the anxiety, the anger that I've got, the sense of loneliness. We need to do that. But then as we move on, we need to recognize when Jesus says to them, open the tomb, roll that stone away. What a moment. What a moment. Roll that stone away. Incredible moment. Could you imagine how the people felt, Martha and Mary? Could you imagine how the, the town uh, and Bethany felt when Jesus said, roll that stone away? Could you imagine the palpitation? Someone says, Master, but he stinks by now. He's been dead up to four days. He stinks. Roll the stone away. What a moment that would be. That helps me to have this anticipation that one day Jesus will put in his appearance. One day the clouds will be rolled back. One day a trump will sound. One day the dead who's in Christ will sleep, they'll wake up. One day we who are alive, if we're alive, we'll be caught up and we will meet him in the air. What a day that would be. But you know, I'm living this moment where I'm saying, hey, it could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. That moment when Jesus says, roll, roll that stone away. What an incredible moment. And then you hear the voice, Lazarus, come forth. That reminded me so much of the trump of God when it sounds. It blows, it blows, and everyone hears it. It blows, and all the saints in Christ hears it. It blows, and all of us, doesn't matter what you're doing. Whether we are um, flying a plane, whether we are on a bus or tube, whether we're on a boat, whether we're cooking a meal, it doesn't matter what we're doing, we will all respond to the trump of the Lord. They say this over 50% of the American um um, air pilot pilots um, um, are Christian. They say that many of them are Christian, over 50%. Could you imagine what it would look like? Could you imagine what it would be like when Jesus comes and those flights are, are going somewhere around the world and all of a sudden the crew member says, we've lost both pilots? Could you imagine what it would be like? Could you imagine what it's going to be like? Could you imagine when Jesus comes and he says, blows a trumpet, and he says, 
I'm here. Could you imagine? Not only did he, he said come forth, but he said release him. I want to challenge us to be released from pain and grief. I want to challenge us about being released from anxiety, from depression. I want to challenge you to be released today. Jesus says, loose him, loose him, and let him go. And I want to say to you today, just as this conversation was taking place, and just as we are going through life and all sort of things have hit us and we've felt that we're in a spiral. Jesus is saying to you and to me today, we are free. Hear what the Bible says. He whom the Son set free is free indeed. Jesus has set us free. Jesus has set us free. Whatever our conditions are, Jesus wants to set us free today. What was most fascinating about that, although Lazarus for a moment before was dead, he had to respond to the voice of Jesus. The dead had to respond. Why? Because the King of Kings, because the Almighty God, the Everlasting Father, because the Great I Am spoke. And he had to respond. And so today I want to in a moment or so speak and, and speak God's life into your life. Speak God's life to bring you to a place that you will say God giveth and God taketh. Blessed be his name. Speak into our lives and say to God, God, I cast all my cares upon you for you're the God who cares for me. That's what Martha and Mary did. And that's how Lazarus responded. And you can imagine how they he came forth and everyone was gasping. Wow. And they unwind that grave cloth. Unwind it. Unwind it. Unwind it. And if anything, to go by scriptures, one of the, probably the first thing Lazarus would have said, hey, cook me some food, I'm hungry. But you know, he was free. He was free. Hear what Lazarus says. He says, listen, I'm free. I'm a I was once dead, but now I'm alive. I'm free. He was excited. Mary and Martha was excited. Lazarus was excited. People began to sing and rejoice. Because hear what the Bible says. He whom the Son set free is free indeed. I want to pray with you. The scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, make your request be known unto God. Come on. I want to pray that the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, would cover you today. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're anxious about, whatever you're grieving about, I want you to do what Peter says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. So I want to pray. Why don't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you because you are the everlasting father. Thank you because you're the Prince of Peace. And Lord, you know, you know my circumstances. You know all what I'm going through. You know the pain beneath the facade. You know my grief, the sense of loss. You know how I feel lonely at times. You know my circumstances in its entirety. But God, I welcome you. I welcome your grace. 
I welcome your love. I welcome your word of freedom to me. I embrace it. I rise up in it. And Lord, help me to walk in it in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray today that your son and daughters will be free. I pray today in the name of Jesus that there are no liberty and freedom today. Father, I praise you and I bless you for you're the God who said, if the son sets you free, you are free indeed. So brothers and sisters, let's rise today and let's give God the praise and the glory. I want to just pray for you all. I'm here in the All Nation building and I want to give God thanks for the progress and the development of the building. But I want to pray as well that, you know, before you come back, you're seeking the Lord with passion. That when you come back, you come back with a desire to see the kingdom of God more and more. Let's pray. And so, Father, I thank you for this congregation. I thank you, God, that you are doing something, you have done something, you're doing something, and you're going to do something. Lord, you will do it far beyond our imagination or our expectation. And Father, I pray that you will bless your people abundantly. I pray that, Lord, that their cup will overflow. I pray, God, that you would fill them with your spirit anew. I pray that you'll open their eyes to see not just this community, but this city and this nation. I pray that there'll be a church, a congregation that will grow and grow and that they will plant and they will deliver and that they will see thousands coming into your kingdom. Bless your servants. Bless, Lord, the apostles and the pastors and the elders, the deacons and the deaconesses, the youth leaders the children workers, the youth workers. Bless those in the background with the technology. Bless those that we don't talk about, those who clean the church, those who look after the logistics of this building. We ask your blessings upon them. And Father, I pray that every penny they need to come in, that it will come in before this building is finished. And I pray, God, that you will do something magnificent. May your blessings and your grace be upon them. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word. We are the Apostolic Church All Nation Centre in Kennington, London. Find us at Tyus Terrace, Kennington, London, SE11 5LY. Our telephone number is 0207 820 On the web, we are at www.apostolic-anc.org. All Nation Centre. Reaching out to you in practical and caring ways.